Hey everyone, I just wanted to let you all know what's going on in this episode. We had planned to do four games like normal and started the episode with that intention, but we ended up talking about Street Fighter 2 for a while, and our deliberations regarding the game's ranking took way longer than we expected. So this episode is just going to be about Street Fighter 2, and we will cover the other three games next week. And with that out of the way, on with the show! And welcome to Snescapades, a chronological journey through the North American Super Nintendo Library, four games at a time. We play them briefly, judge them harshly, and rank them, and that's pretty much all you need to know. I'm Steampunk Link. I'm Emmy Zero. And uh, I think we got a pretty good episode lined up for you guys today. I would say so. These are all games that I've I've got, I feel like, something to say about each. Uh, honestly, fairly positive, which is nice. We had a few weeks, you know, kind of recently where it just kind of felt like we were down in the, in the weeds with some stuff that, you know, wasn't that memorable or that distinctive. But we've got some stuff that really sticks in my mind, certainly. So I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah, me too. Um, I mean, including one that we're going to get to pretty soon here that's just a, a banger. It's a game. It is a literal game changer. Absolutely. It, it really is. It, it is practically the genesis of an entire genre, really. Just incredible. But we, we will get to it. But, uh, you know, hey, how, how are you doing right now, I mean, You know, I'm doing great. I had a pretty good week. The weather is being cooperative right now. It's not just raining every day, which which I'm a fan of. And yeah, I had a pretty good time playing these games, which is also good. How are you doing, Steampunk Link? I'm doing pretty good. We're going to get to dive into some some history today. You know, that's always fun for me. Yeah. Well, what do you say we kind of dive in then? Yeah, let's do it. I'm going to start playing a song right now. I think most of you are going to know what it is. It is obviously the theme to... Street Fighter 2, The World Warrior. That's right. That is, in fact, the full title of this game, which I had sort of forgotten about a little bit. This is such a big deal. Oh, my God. It is so wild to play this game, especially after having played a couple of other sort of like proto- fighting games earlier on in the history of this show, and just see how fully formed this game is as, as a fighting game. So I believe we talked about some of the origins of fighting games, you know, like some of the real origins of fighting games back in a previous episode, uh, either Ultraman or Pit Fighter. So, I mean, there were fighting games before this. And in fact, this isn't even the first Street Fighter, obviously, as the, the name would imply. But this was the first time that like a fighting game just really took over. And I think that this game, it already knew what a fighting game needed to be. And it already had like all these ideas. You know, there was just so many imitators around this time that we're going to see pop up on the system that try to do what Street Fighter 2 is doing, but it's not quite understanding what it's doing well. It's not quite understanding the importance of keeping the characters varied, but also balanced. Some have advantages over others, but nobody's like really overpowered. It's just such a fascinating system to look at and, and, and when you really dig into it to see how it works, how some characters favor speed over outright attack power, and some characters have special moves that make them a little more versatile than other characters. It's, it's just so good. It's remarkable to play this in its original context because the only other fighting games we've really had on the Super Nintendo are Pit Fighter and Ultraman. 
And both of those feel just like a world away from this. It's remarkable to play this and just see how many things were kind of just intuited. This game is the inflection point genesis for fighting games because it was so successful and many other games copied it. So fighting games are like this because Street Fighter 2 was like this and, and it kind of set a template for the rest of these games. Everything about this feels like it works and that's really impressive, especially since so much of this was new at the time. I mean, the idea that you'd have eight different characters in this game, they'd all play differently and that you could have have individual styles like this is really cool and it just feels really good to play it's a little bit slower paced than i probably remembered it being but that's honestly fine like i feel like it works really well i played with every different character in this and i enjoyed playing as pretty much all of them Fighter, the original arcade game, came out, I believe, in, ooh, I didn't write this one down. I think it was 87. Oh, it might have been 87. I think you're right. I'm really pretty early. And that game, you know, it was a one-on-one martial arts kind of game where you would play against a bunch of other computer-controlled characters. The only character you could control was Ryu, or, you know, if you're playing two-player, you could control Ken, and Ryu and Ken basically had the same movesets. Yeah, Ken was basically just blonde Ryu. And that's not too different here. Ryu and Ken are both still pretty much palette swaps at this point, but the other six characters in the roster all play very differently. You've got uh, Chun-Li, who's a kung fu fighter who uses uh lightning kicks and things like that she can also do a wall jump which is cool that's true yeah that was the thing that only she can do i think in this game chun li suffers a little bit from the lack of her fireball which she gets later on like that's kind of true yeah like i don't think that the skills that they gave her allow her to really compete with a lot of the other characters but you know it's one of those fine-tuning things and that's something that we'll talk about a little bit later on when we get to the next iteration of this game you know but it is still you know like you see a, a real effort being put in to like give everybody unique movesets and things like that you've also got like e honda the sumo wrestler you've got zangief who's a russian wrestler um dalzim who's kind of kind of the oddball a little bit in this game he can stretch his limbs and breathe fire which is uh interesting and then there's also uh Apart from the regular eight characters, there's also four unplayable bosses in this game uh, who will become playable later on. But again, we'll, we'll get there when we get there. Street Fighter 2, the original version of the arcade game, came out in uh, February, I believe, of 1991. That in itself is kind of remarkable. It is really amazing to see how good this port holds up. Like, there are differences between this and the arcade game. You know, some of the sprites are bigger in the arcade game and more detailed. There's more frames of animation. But even with that, this game looks so close. This is the game. Like, if you played Street Fighter 2 in the arcades and then you got this version of it for the Super Nintendo, you would be satisfied. People were satisfied with this because it gets everything about the overall look and feel of the game so right. That even though, like you said, there are differences, here is the biggest arcade game in the world, and you can play a great version of it at home as much as you want. That's incredible, 
honestly. The fact that a game got so close on the Super Nintendo hardware to the arcade game that was only about a year and a half old at this point is something truly remarkable. And I think that's something that gets lost when you don't think about this game in terms of the context of when it came out. It's just really incredible how well they did with this port. Uh, Capcom just really knocked it out of the park. Uh, another interesting thing about it is that we're only a few months out from the second iteration of Street Fighter 2 in arcades, which was Street Fighter 2... Uh, Dash or Street Championship F- Edition, right? Champion Edition, yeah. So that came out in April of 1992, and this game incorporates a little bit of those upgrades. There's a code you can enter at the Capcom logo. You all know the one. It sounds like this. Oh, I love that logo sound. It's so good. So if you enter a code during that logo screen, you'll get access to a few championship features, like the ability to play a mirror match against um, the same character, like an E-Honda versus E-Honda match where they have uh, different color palettes. That was something that didn't get introduced until Champion Edition, and it is available here through that code. Again, it's just a really solid game. Um, It's a lot of fun to play. It's still really good, even if it feels a little bit clunky in the context of a fighting game today. I mean, this is one of the things where I think it's really beneficial for us to be playing the games in chronological order like this, because, yeah, you're right. It does feel a little clunky, and I mean, obviously, there are only the eight characters. There's a lot of stuff here that is going to get sort of iterated on and improved on by later versions of this game and also by other fighting games. But Playing this game in the context of everything that was around it when it came out, it feels mind-blowing. This is kind of like what I said about like Final Fantasy IV back when we played that, feeling like, oh man, this is this series that would have this very real sort of presence and identity in video games, and here it kind of is just sort of showing up to the party fully formed. Nintendo really was on the ball when they had an exclusivity deal with Capcom for this game for a year. We are just on the cusp of the Super NES being a year old, and you've already got this fighting game that's just amazing. This alone could be a reason to get this system, honestly, at this point. Absolutely. I definitely knew people who were able to convince their parents to give them the Super Nintendo because they so badly wanted to play this game on it. A really amazing accomplishment here by Capcom. And, you know, when you think about all the Capcom ports of arcade games that have been kind of, you know... They've been iffy. They've had real compromises. And this one kind of doesn't in any kind of really important way. Yeah, Capcom was a really important company for the original Nintendo. And I think this was like their big statement, like, hey, we are still one of the big guys and we are still going to help carry this system and, and, you know, just carry home gaming as a thing, period. got that fun sound test in there that I used to love messing around with as a kid. Yeah, the music in this game also is is awesome. I mean, I'm sure that we're hearing some of it interspersed with our discussion here in the episode. All these tunes just sound so good. It just harkens back to like the Mega Man games on the original NES that had some of the best music in the NES library. And all the stages have great music accompaniment. And all the stages look great. There are only a few screens wide, typically, but they're just beautiful. They've got lots of good detail, lots of fun little bits of animation in the background. I really love the thing that happens to E-Honda's stage when the match is over, where, like, the the kind of ukiyo-e art in the background, like, animates, and the guy, like, pops up real big, and the sun starts sort of rotating. Really just cool little touches like that.
going to reminisce here because this is obviously a series that we both are familiar with. Who was your main back then when you when you were playing the original Street Fighter Two? Uh, either E Honda or Chun Li. Oh, interesting. I don't think I ever did that well with Chun Li, honestly, because like you said, the lack of the fireball means that she doesn't have as many options as other people. But you know, it was fun to play as a girl, and also she's really mobile. Like I really like the way she feels to control and move around. I like doing you know a wall kick and then like just sort of hopping on top of the other player's head you know just kind of kicking down at them repeatedly is is really really good feeling that's a lot of fun i love e honda's you know thousand hand slap you know those were those were my main ones um but i you know most of these characters are really fun to use like i always enjoyed using zangief and dalsim i honestly have never been a big uh ryu or ken person you know they're fine, but like I just find the other characters' fighting styles sort of more interesting for the most part. What, what about you? I was a guile main back in the day because my eight or nine year old hands, like I can't remember now, uh, couldn't quite figure out the fireball motions back then. Quarter circle punch kind of thing. But the sonic boom, you could do that one, right? Yeah, the, the, the charge stuff was a lot easier for me to pull off. So I, I, I probably played Chun-Li a little bit because she also just had one where all you had to do was just mash a button and that was your special move. And her other move was a charge move. Whereas with Guile, both of his special moves are charge moves. And I was definitely able to pull those off a lot more reliably than like a, a fire a fireball or a an uppercut i should say i've never been good at this game i've never been good at really any fighting game for the most part i do just enjoy the feel of playing this game and i'm good enough that i could mostly get through you know the arcade mode and win some matches against other people from time to time but not really consistently you know yeah you know it's fun to play other people who are casual players of the game and i think this speaks to the appeal of street fighter 2 that like the characters are so cool and, and so fleshed out that you really like them, the settings are neat, the music's great, that even if you're not good at it, it still is a lot of fun to play. Like, I am also a person who's never been, like, good at fighting games, but I still really love playing Street Fighter games just because they do have that sort of general appeal that, that can go outside of, like, the core fighting game community. So, obviously, Street Fighter went through kind of a, a dormant period in the 2000s. And when they decided to bring Street Fighter back uh, with Street Fighter 4, they very intentionally based it on Street Fighter 2, both in the roster of characters they brought back and also in just the general approachability of how it played. Because the people making Street Fighter 4 knew that there was, you know, a sense of how broadly Street Fighter 2 appealed to people that they felt like they could really bring that back by kind of honing in on that again. And it worked. Like, you know, Street Fighter 4 ended up being a thing that sort of revitalized fighting games in sort of a similar way to how Street Fighter 2 kind of created and popularized fighting games back in the early 90s and really kind of led to like a, a, a rebirth of the arcade. I think we've, we've gone on for a while about Street Fighter 2. We can probably look at the ranking now, but yeah, just what an incredible game. Can't wait for the next version of this to continue getting to talk about it. It's just amazing that within the first year, the Super NES has probably what's already going to be one of the best fighting games. Like, I honestly can't think of a fighting game that's going to surpass this one other than its own future iterations. But I mean, I'm not going to say that definitely is going to be the case, but it, you know, like there's a good chance. There is a good chance. Absolutely. Uh, you never know. Maybe we'll get to Primal Rage and it'll really surprise 
surprise us. Yeah, yeah, that'll that'll just really turn. <laughs> that'll things be around. the one, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, our fighting games now are Pit Fighter and Ultraman, which are very close to the bottom of the list. Pit Fighter is number <laughs> what sixty six. Yep, uh, right down there at the bottom. Let's just skip that entirely because, like, there, there's no need to even look that far down the list. No, there's really not. How about we we start at another Capcom game? Uh, at number six, UN Squadron. What, what if we start I think that's there? a great idea. Before we get into talking about how this compares to UN Squadron, I do think we need to bring up something that is is probably uh, something we need to take into consideration here, which is, you know, the fact that we are going to be seeing additional versions of Street Fighter 2 later on that are going to iterate on this. And we probably do, as for as effusively, you know full of praise as we are for this game, we probably do actually need to kind of break the timeline a little bit and take that into account at least somewhat in ranking this. Well, I'll I'll be honest. I I don't know if we do, because I I think that we're going to have enough stuff kind of padding out the list between now and then. And I mean, like, I'm really just trying to think of this game by itself in comparison to what we've got on the list. That's a good point. That's, That's a really good point. Because I did just talk about how it's so cool to experience this game in its original context like this. So yeah, you know what? That makes sense to me, too. I'm not going to think about anything that's going to come later than this. Let's just talk about the ranking for this one. So in comparison to UN Squadron, I mean, I think that it kind of goes without saying that even though UN Squadron is, in its own way, a very different sort of take on its particular genre... In comparison to Street Fighter 2, it's not nearly as much of, like, a divergence or, like, a leap forward for its genre. Yeah, and also, like, this game as an arcade port makes fewer concessions. Like, UN Squadron had to lose the the two-player co-op. Still an amazing port. UN Squadron made up for it by doing some just very different stuff. But you're right, though. If you really want, like, the arcade game, which in this case of Street Fighter 2, you absolutely want the arcade game. Uh, this is going to give that to you. I feel like Street Fighter 2 is kind of an endlessly playable game to a degree that I, do- I don't think you and Squadron can really match that. I think we have to put this above that. Yep. So above you and Squadron. Uh, what do we have next up? We've got Act Razor. I would say that even though Act Razor is its own genre cul-de-sac, I think that probably I would say Street Fighter 2 pulls off what it's doing better than Actraiser does. Actraiser is like kind of two different genres that are sort of both a little thin and they're kind of put together to make a whole game that's much more interesting than either of those pieces would be on their own. I don't know that any one element of it really matches up to how good the core gameplay is of Street Fighter. I think I'm with you there. So it sounds like uh, it goes below, or, or go, sorry, it goes above Act Tracer. Next up, we've got Final Fantasy II. This is where it starts getting pretty tough. But I, I would say this, like Final Fantasy II or Final Fantasy IV is a wonderful and, and very strong progression in the sort of Japanese RPG space. But Street Fighter II is an absolute quantum leap in terms of fighting games. I agree with that. I, and I think that, especially since there are some strange things with Final Fantasy II's not great 
localization. You know, there's just some some issues there that Street Fighter 2 uh, manages to sidestep completely. Yeah, not that it needed a whole lot, but Street Fighter 2 is actually a pretty good uh, localization. For one thing, they, f- they fixed that whole Shenlong thing that had everybody thinking there was a secret character. You know, go home and be a family man. That's all I've got to say. Well, I, maybe I will, Guile. Maybe I will. Why don't you do the same? <laughs> oh, oh, you abandoned your family. Oh, he's just projecting, you know? He needs to take a look in the mirror there. Yeah, I think so. And thanks to the the code in that game, he can. <laughs> Now we got Super Castlevania 4 at number three. So what do you think about this one? Boy, I I sure do think the world of Castlevania 4. I mean, like, I, I almost put it above Legend of Zelda. That's how much I like this one. It's a gorgeous game, but... Boy, I sure do feel like the Street Fighter characters are a lot easier to control than is in that game. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Even with his eight-directional whip, he's still basically like a kind of like a brick with legs, you know. One other flaw that we haven't really talked about with Street Fighter 2, and this is something that will plague the series throughout its Super Nintendo iterations, is that this is a six-button fighting game. The Super NES only has four face buttons, so you need to map two of your attacks to the L and R, which ain't great. That is true. <laughs> to be fair, though, when Street Fighter Two did end up coming out on the Genesis, they did actually release a six-button controller for the Genesis so that you could play it properly on there. Yeah, it, it always does feel a little weird, and that is certainly something that I thought about when going back to this game. Ha- having two of the, the attacks on the shoulder buttons always feels kind of awkward, and it makes it less viable to pull off certain moves, I feel like, um, without a lot of practice. So that is a fair point. And Super Castlevania Four, being a game that was designed from the ground up for the Super Nintendo, really doesn't have any issues like that with its control setup. Honestly, like you know, with gr- graphics and music, I think, you know, pretty comparable, really. Pretty dead heat, frankly. I mean, I guess you could say that Castlevania has more stuff in it because it has these expansive levels that you're traveling through and it uses some of the, the Super Nintendo's unique hardware to to do some fun stuff true but i would i would counter that with like the street fighter 2 has a better variety because like it's this emphasis on world warriors like people from all different cultures even if all those cultures weren't always portrayed terribly accurately or or maybe even um with with the best taste in some cases you know doll seems rough y'all doll seems rough yeah but i feel like there was an effort there to be respectful and to represent all these different cultures through the backgrounds and the music and everything else that i i do think is really neat and it's not something that i think had been done terribly well uh up until this point representing a bunch of different cultures through through a video game thinking in terms of that i almost want to give the edge to street fighter 2 what do you think this was tough for me as well but i think that you are making a pretty compelling case that maybe this one does edge out Super Castlevania 4. Yeah, you guys, it is so close. It is so close for me. The, the top of the list is always really tough because everything in this part of the list is so good. But I think I'm in agreement with you, though. Next up on the list, we've got number two, The Legend of Zelda, Link to the Past. Hmm. So since we've ranked The Legend of Zelda, I have actually played through the entire game and finished it for the first time. And I like that game a lot. I don't actually know, though, that I like it more than Street Fighter 2. And I do think that 
in terms of new ideas and things that are, are really just like kind of creative and also well implemented, both of these games are actually doing a lot of stuff. So that's not necessarily something that I can just like give to the Legend of Zelda in this case. I think that Street Fighter 2 is is in its own field doing a tremendous amount of new stuff. I frankly was not as big of a fan of the last kind of like quarter of A Link to the Past as I was of the rest of that game. And I don't think that would change where we ranked it at all. But I do think that it gives me a little bit more of a measured feeling for it than than when we originally did it. Okay, so it sounds like you want to put Street Fighter 2 above Legend of Zelda. I think I kind of do. What do you think about that? I think I'm okay with it. Oh, it, it, it hurts so much, but it's also like it feels right. And I feel like we're going to make so many people mad. It's Street Fighter 2. I feel like we can die on this hill, honestly. Like, I feel like this one is, is something that I'm, I'm pretty willing to say, like, no, this one really is that good. I think I agree with you. I mean, like, as much as I love The Legend of Zelda, like, again, you know, just kind of thinking about the variety that's in Street Fighter 2 and just how well everything is put together. Every piece of music, every environment you go to in Street Fighter 2 just feels like they put so much into it. And, you know, that which isn't to say that, like, there isn't a lot of, of heart in Zelda as well, but, like, yeah, I, I think I agree with you. have one more conversation to have i guess and that's does this go above super mario world it's a good question i don't have any idea how to have this discussion i don't either because like if, if i put it below super mario world like i almost feel like somebody could probably pretty rightly tell me that like super mario world has the same sort of issues that legend of zelda does that would that would put street fighter 2 over the top you know like it because it, it's a, you know like again super mario world like the big thing i like about it it's one big cohesive world it's really well interconnected and everything else but there is maybe like a lack of variety there another thing that street fighter 2 has going for it is that that you know somewhat ease of use like you know you can kind of ease yourself into it and almost anybody can play it and there's probably more depth to the actual controls i guess not because like you know people have done amazing stuff with mario world and like speed running and all the things you can do with kind of the physics in that game but when you can Consider the fact that with Street Fighter 2, this game also essentially invented the idea of combos. Even though there's no combo system in this game, there's just a way that the comp that that stringing moves together works that is so good that it it then became like a proper like system that other other developers and even these same developers later on would actually build into their games. Yeah, I mean, like you could point to something like you know a game like Super Mario World sort of setting the groundwork for the speedrunning community and and you know platformers kind of doing that. But I think that you know like yeah like. With fighting games, you've got the entire fighting game community. You have big tournaments. None of that exists without a game like Street Fighter 2. Super Mario Brothers effectively created what we consider the platform game genre in the form that everyone would sort of recognize it in. Super Mario World is building on that, but it is not that kind of like amazing leap of a game. Whereas Street Fighter 2 is... I mean, we've been talking so much about how it did create this new genre... And, you know, it genuinely feels like nothing else on the system right now. Yeah, it... Oh, my goodness. Are we going to do this? I think we might. Man, I did not expect this. I didn't either, but I just... I don't... 
Okay. So now we have the problem of that, that you were sort of mentioning before where it's like – What happens if we end up playing Super Street Fighter 2 in you know 20 more episodes or whatever and going, oh man, this is a better game than Street Fighter 2? The thing is like there are iterations on this game that we know are objectively better because they add new features and they, they balance the gameplay more. Like, you know, whereas like – Super Mario World doesn't have that. You know, there are other Mario games that came after it, but Super Mario World sort of stands, you know, as this close to perfect thing that still exists, that's still playable, whereas Street Fighter 2 has things that make it somewhat obsolete. And that's... It's really tough. This is easily the toughest conversation we've had since Final Fantasy 2, which I think was the last time we seriously considered dethroning Super Mario World. And again, like I think our problem with putting Final Fantasy 2 above it was that there's going to be... Other games in that genre that are going to kind of surpass it in some ways. I almost wonder, like, as Super Mario World becomes further and further in the rearview mirror for us, is that maybe part of the reason why we're considering this? Like, Street Fighter 2 right now, as far as we're concerned, is the new hotness. But given time removed from Street Fighter 2, will we still feel that way? Maybe at a certain point, Super Mario World is untouchable because we think it's untouchable, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, do you get what I'm saying? Because no, I no, don't... I, to- I totally do. I totally do. Like maybe you know, like it, it's just that like we have this idea of Super Mario World. I don't know if this is a problem or not, but definitely what we are doing right now, you and me, is we're getting into kind of like the meta idea of this list instead of the games themselves. You know, we're talking about looking ahead or like the weight of these particular games in our mind is like influencing the way in which we're dealing with them whenever they come up in these discussions. I don't know. Maybe that's just inevitable with games that are this this big of a deal that they they kind of warp the perception of everything else around them. So, like, we're talking about two of the absolute biggest games in the Super Nintendo library right now. Yeah, absolutely. And maybe this is a thing that has to happen where you kind of zoom out and start thinking about things in, in sort of bigger terms. But I don't know. This is a very strange place to be in. If Super Mario World does not end this list in the top ten, I, I, that's just going to feel weird to me. But like, but again, like, maybe that's not fair. Because I'm, I'm just pre-assuming that Super Mario World must be like one of the top 10 greatest games when you know i've only played like a very small portion of the actual super nes library when you get right down to it but you know if if street fighter 2 goes above it we know that there's going to be at least one more game that's going to go above that okay you know what i feel like if i leave super mario world at the top it's just showing my bias in a way that of like this game that i kind of hold is like the the closest thing to a perfect game and what what do you think at the end of the day do you think uh i i genuinely don't um I, I hate that I'm still indecisive about this. Another thing that I that I usually go to is, like, what would I rather play through again? You know, I'll say this. If I was going to play one of these games one player by myself, definitely Super Mario World would be the one. The, the AI for, for the opponents in Street Fighter 2 is all right, but it's still, you know, fighting game AI from the like early 90s so it's just not that great of an experience but the game is also sort of meant to be played that way to some extent because it's the only way you ever see the boss characters yeah that's true i think maybe that is enough of a a mark against the game that i might maybe still think that super mario world deserves to go above it 
for like really pretty concrete reasons when you talk about it like that. Yeah, because the the one player mode is never going to be quite as fun as like the two player mode. There's there's like a third a third of the roster that you never see if you're not doing the one player mode. I think let's let's put it below Super Mario World. I think that's okay. Okay. Well, it was so close, you guys. It was so close. Yeah, that's the closest we've ever come. I think. I'm I'm still a little bit torn on it, but I, I think we're going to stick with this. I think Street Fighter Two is going to be at number two. Um, but yeah, wow, that is. I, I I really didn't think it would go that high, but I just no, me either. But wow, I feel okay about this. I feel all right. Okay, folks. Uh, wow, that was uh, that was quite a conversation. I was not. I didn't think we were going to have that much to say about that game or about like the list or any of that stuff. Yeah, yeah, that was that all. Well, I mean, I, I knew we would probably be talking about Street Fighter Two for a while just because it is as important as it is. But I, I didn't expect the conversation to be that difficult uh, when placing it on the list. So I think this is just going to be its own episode now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think so. I I think that this episode is going to have the strangest pace in the world and also be like three times as long as usual if we keep on going and do the other three games that we intended to discuss on this one in this episode. Well, you know what? You know what? This is a good place to leave off, too, because this is the end of the first year, basically, because we're entering August now of 1992. Oh, you're right. I'll tell you what. Why don't we cut over to Newsy really quick, and we'll talk about uh, August really fast. Newsy? It's August, 1992. Unforgiven, starring Clint Eastwood and Morgan Freeman, is released and makes over $159 million. Madonna gets one week at the top of the charts with This Used to Be My Playground, before Boys to Men absolutely dominate for 13 weeks. And Hurricane Andrew wreaks havoc across the Bahamas and southern United States, killing 65 and doing over $27 billion in damage. It will remain the costliest Atlantic hurricane to hit the United States until 2005. Back to you, Emmy Zero and Steampunk Link. Yeah, yes, we got, uh... Clint Eastwood and Morgan Freeman. We got uh, Madonna kind of one week at the charts there between two giants. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All your favorites. Clint Eastwood, Morgan Freeman, Madonna, all together doing their thing. All, all, all together at last. This used to be my playground, maybe because it was sort of couched between, you know, the the dynasties that were Boys to Men and Whitney Houston kind of taking, you know, like more than a dozen weeks at the at the top of the charts. I, yeah, I I definitely haven't heard that song before. At least I don't think I have. It's the name is not familiar to me, so yeah. And uh Hurricane Andrew, that was maybe like the first time I remember like hearing about a hurricane doing major damage like that. Yep. Yeah, me too. Um and uh I lived roughly in that part of the country when that happened, so Oh, that's right, uh, you did. So like it was weird too because like it felt that was the first time for me as a kid where I, I felt like something that big that I knew about was, like, in a recognizable place. So, so you didn't actually, like, get affected by the hurricane personally? No, um, okay. the part of Florida that my family lived in was uh, pretty far away and in kind of a, a part of of the state that uh, hurricanes tended to miss. Like, they haven't really had a major hurricane in the in that part uh you know in a long long time that really has done like true damage so close enough that like i could imagine where it had hit you know 
I lived in Missouri, so it was kind of like the first major weather disaster just outside of like, you know, the occasional tornado warnings that we would get, you know, like being really, really aware of. The first one that got like big news coverage. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, at the time, it was the costliest hurricane damage wise. And now it's the seventh. Yeah, it feels like these are just pretty common now. <laughs> yeah, you know, it was it was incredibly bad and a, a huge, a huge disaster. But, you know, it doesn't really it can't really compare to something like what happened with like Katrina. That was a hell of a thing though, for sure. Yeah, that's kind of a strange way to end the episode, but I just feel like we're, we're just going to go on way too long. But, you know, I wanted to end here because we are now officially in August of 1992. The Super Nintendo has been on the market for an entire year in North America. Seeing some extreme highs and some real lows. We've got, what do we got now? 67 games on the list? There are 67 games, yeah. You know, looking through this list, what would you say, like, I guess, if we're talking like the absolute middle of the road here, uh, what is the middle? That would be 60... 33 or 34, yeah. The 33 and 34 are PGA Tour Golf and Krusty's Super Fun House, and... That seems about right to me. I feel like that's a pretty good sign, you know, because, like, I'm looking below that. And, and, like, there's games that I still really like below that. Like, you know, number 38, we've got True Golf Classics, Wileye, which I think we were both pretty hot on. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Hyperzone, below that, that we thought was okay. Um, Yeah, I mean, I really think you have to start going down to pretty much to, like, the 50s before you start seeing games that are genuinely ones that, like, I would have, like, real trouble recommending to folks you know so you know let's let's go through the top 10 one more time really quick so at number 10 we've got lemmings a game that was just everywhere but we never really experienced and yeah now we kind of know why it was everywhere it's a really solid little puzzle game they they did a lot with not very much there big surprise for us yeah Really creative use of pretty simple ideas. Then we got uh, number nine, we got Contra 3, a really fun run-and-gun iteration of of the Contra series. Really fun game. Fun, uh, great-looking, big on spectacle. Really, you know, just like a cool cinematic action game. Then uh, number eight, we've got Top Gear. Who would have thought a game that I'd never really heard of before would be like the racing game for the Super Nintendo in its first year? I know, right? Yeah, no, such such a, a a neat surprise that one was. And then uh, number seven, we've talked about it quite a lot. UN Squadron, fantastic scrolling shooter. Number six, we've got Act Razor still, which is just a game that almost defies classification in a way. That one is sort of like a, a cult classic that really lives up to its reputation as this really kind of interesting, unique experience. And then we got Final Fantasy two at number five. Fantastic game, love it. Great story. Still, still, honestly, one of my favorite Final Fantasy games. It's really good. It plays really well. It does have a good story and fantastic music. It's a really great first showing for the sort of classic archetypal JRPG on on the Super Nintendo, and like kind of just a big, as we talked about earlier in the episode, kind of a big uh, leap forward for that genre in a lot of ways. So at number four, yeah, we got Super Castlevania Four, just a really fantastic, solid platformer, really challenging, but really good. It's a, at this point, classic series. And this is a, a version of it 
uh, you know, an entry in it that is just kind of so refined and has so many great embellishments and, and touches on it. I love the the eight directional whip. I love how it looks and sounds, and how this is just kind of a really a really wonderfully kind of high class reinterpretation of the original Castlevania. And uh, number three, speaking of great craftsmanship, we got Legend of Zelda: a Link to the Past. Just a you know wonderful game, wonderful little story, just a great adventure. It, it's a lot of fun. Absolutely. Uh, number two, got Street Fighter Two, which I think we've probably <laughs> talked we've probably about talked plenty. about that one enough for for this episode. But it's good if you go back and play it, you'll have a great time. And then uh, holding on to its throne at number one by the skin of its teeth, <laughs> Super Mario World, which is still just an amazing platform game that everybody, even people who don't normally play video games, should experience at least once. Absolutely, yeah. It's uh, to me, it is it is sort of the ultimate version of the classic Super Mario Brothers gameplay. Well, folks, we're going to leave it there. Sorry about the sort of impromptu. Uh, you know, decision to cut this down to one game, but I, I know, I know, y'all were really excited to hear us talk about Kablooey. We'll be getting to that one next time. So let's just really briefly recap the other three games that we were going to talk about in this episode that we didn't get to. Obviously, I just mentioned Kablooey. Uh, the other ones are Magic Sword, another Capcom joint, and Strike Gunner STG. We do absolutely have plenty of stuff to say about all of those, but not nearly as much as it turns out as we as we had to say about street fighter 2 yeah and you know what i think this will set a precedent too like if we just have one game that's just going to completely overshadow everything else then we need to maybe reserve it for its own episode i'm okay with that going forward how do you how do you feel about it i do feel like that's that's fine we'll talk about the other three games in the next episode until then i'm steampunk link and i'm emmy zero play it loud Our intro-outro song is How Now Brown Cow by Technoaxe, who very generously offers a ton of great music for free and royalty-free at technoaxe.com. For more of our content, check out honestpiranha.com. Thanks for listening. The day bison graced your village was the most important day of your life. But for me... It was Tuesday. <laughs>